It's time for Heatwave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. on into the Super Sunday Night Edition of Heat Wave Sports here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. It's Tim Unglesby and, of course, my partner in crime from Tom Barton Sports, Tom Barton. Mateo with us along this two-hour ride tonight as we talk overreaction. Every Sunday night, it's overreaction. Sunday, we'll give you the, the hottest takes on... What games were overblown? What teams' wins didn't mean as much as, as, as you think they would based on a score? What teams' losses don't mean as much based on a score as well? And we're going to do that tonight up until the midnight hour and get you ready for the new work week. So let's bring in my man from TomBartonSports.com, Mr. Tom Barton. Tommy, week one almost officially in the books. Yeah, it's just about in the books, and we've got a real good one uh, tomorrow that – we can definitely get into, you know, it, I hate when the Sunday night game, look, I hate the whole idea of Carrie Underwood. I like everything about Carrie Underwood, but I hate the whole idea of Carrie Underwood and, and the, you waited all day for Sunday. Who's waiting all day for Sunday night? I mean, you know, then you get a stinker like this and it almost feels like we didn't have a great day. We had a great day. And I think tomorrow night it's going to be a great game, but you get over that stinker at the end of the Sunday night. And I, I see people going, uh, you know, dull Sunday, wasn't the best. I, I, are you guys watching the same stuff that I'm watching? I think it was a fantastic day, Tim. Yeah, it was, the, you know, the people saying that were the ones that lost all their bets. That's probably what happened there. And um, Or won and then loaded up on the Giants. Right, right. Had to chase their money and lost again. So we'll get into it. We'll break every game down. We'll look at tomorrow night's matchup with the Jets and the Bills at AFC Tilt. If we have time, we'll squeeze in a little Major League Baseball as we're getting closer and closer to playoffs there. Only a couple weeks left in the regular season. So, Tom, with that being said, uh, we want people to join us tonight if they are listening and want a voice. 876-1340 is the Heat Wave hotline or over on Twitter at Tom Barton Sports at HW Sports. You can find us there. And if you tweet us, we will read out the tweet, of course, on the air and talk about it. So, before we start, Tom, anything you want to touch on, or should we just get into this full slate of games today? No, look, the, the one thing I do want to touch on is this, and I mentioned it last night. It's a stat that needs to be repeated. Um, do not get crazy about week one. It's okay. If your team lost 40 to nothing, it's great. If your team won 40 to nothing, that's great. But now week two, Tim, starts to get very dangerous. And I'll mention this again next weekend because it is the truth. Since 1990... Teams that started 2-0 make the playoffs 63% of the time. In the history of the NFL, teams that start 0-2 make the playoffs 9.5% of the time. So while week one we should not overreact and we're going to temper our enthusiasm, we're going to not you know, need a suicide hotline out there, right? We're going to all be calm this week. We do have to pay attention to next week and really sit there and go, wait a minute, if my team's 1-0, we go 2-0, we got a great shot. If my team's 0-1, Back's against the wall, man. We we have to go and go to one and one. You can't go o two. Tom, did you get a read so far on on how the books did today? 
Yeah, from everything that I'm seeing, um, they, they they kind of kind of me- mediocre. There was, uh, as we talked about, you know, there was a ton of money coming in on the Eagles, and most of that cashed, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, in most cases, I-, I know that there were some fives hanging out there earlier in the week, uh, but most of that cashed. The public got crushed on the Bengals. Um, the public did really well on the Jaguars. And me and the public did well on the Jaguars. Uh, the public did really you know, poorly when it was the Bears. A lot of people were in on the Bears. Um, a lot of people were in on the uh, on the Chargers. And a lot of people were in on the Eagles. So they, they, they did okay. Uh, their, two of their biggest liabilities did cover, though. And uh, I think I was the only free pick last night. I was Joe Public. Sometimes Joe Public works itself out. Let's jump on in. We sometimes like to start with what we saw last, and what we saw last, Tommy, was uh, Brian Dable just – he seemed dumbfounded at what he was watching out on the football field at MetLife Stadium tonight in the Sunday night matchup. Dallas 40, the Giants a big fat goose egg, Tom, an NFC East division matchup, and the Cowboys steamrolled this – never in doubt in this game. They, from opening kickoff, controlled this game, and um, – I don't know if embarrassment's the right word, Tom, but it was it was pretty embarrassing to look like this on national TV. Tim, there's a million excuses, right? I mean, there there just is. It was a monsoon. Um, uh, you know, the ball was slippery. We they they got ripped off by the refs. There's a million things that the Giants are going to come up with. The reality is this: is that while Dallas played well, their defense played extraordinary. But while Dallas played well, Tim, if you watch the first couple of minutes of this game, the Giants moved right down the field on them. I mean, right down the field on them. And then the kick and the uh, it just kind of avalanched out of the way. But I do start to think, same thing that I think that the Jets are going to have a problem with. Everything goes back to the offensive line. And Daniel Jones was sacked seven times today. The offensive line was really flat out bad. The Cowboys generated pressure on 63% of their dropbacks. Okay? That is just extraordinarily good. Andrew Thomas came out and he said, he, he, by the way, he's getting imaging done on his hamstring tomorrow. He said, I'm a leader. I'm a captain. Um, I didn't play that standard today. No, the whole offensive line was bad. But when are we going to start having the Daniel Jones is Kirk Cousins is Andy Dalton talk? Because Daniel Jones is now 1-11 and straight up in night games for his career. Andy Dalton was 6-21. and He's the worst ever. Okay. Uh, but Daniel Jones, he's second worst at 1-11. and when are we going to start having to have the conversation? Yes, the offensive line was bad. Yes, it kind of spiraled out of control. I get it. It was raining. When are we going to have the conversation that Daniel Jones, he might get a little jittery when coming from a smaller school. Look, Duke is a smaller school. Doesn't have 100,000 people in the stadium. Maybe he gets a little jittery under the lights, Tim. Yeah, it could be. One, it's it's When you have that much of a sample size, it kind of tells you a lot, right? And even if you want to take out whatever games he played primetime in his rookie season, he's still... Uh, damn near a thousand percent negative. So, yeah, it could be. It could be a, a mental thing at this point. What did you think of? I know we said Dallas' defense looked phenomenal, but what about Tony Pollard now officially taking over that role in the running back position? I was shocked that they didn't use him enough tonight, but I understood it. Look, Tony Pollard's not somebody that handles the rock, uh, you know, and he's going to get 300 carries this year, more than likely not. 
So if you have a game like this, you could pull him back. I, I was just pretty surprised that they did it so early in the game. The game, it was like 16 nothing and then 19 nothing, And you just didn't see Tony Pollard even in there. And one of the things that I, I Pollard had two catches today. One of the things that we were watching uh, pretty closely is Tony Pollard's uh, release point. He was open a lot underneath. And consistently, Dak Prescott kept going to Ferguson, who has like stone hands out there. But he consistently kept going to Ferguson. I wonder if that was by design. Let's keep Pollard fresh. Don't throw it to him unless you have to kind of thing. We're up big. Or if that was a harbinger of things to come where without Kellen Moore, maybe Tony Pollard isn't the dynamic pass catcher and he's more of a regular running back. Be fun to watch teams as they progress through the season. Obviously, it's always a chemistry thing, and that includes the coaching staff. And when injuries start to pop up, and you really start playing uh, roulette, I guess with with the season. Let's take a quick peek ahead. We always do that on the show. So the Giants, right, Tommy? Here we go. Overt reaction. Are they really that bad? I don't think so. You don't think so. The books don't think so. Next week. They, they uh, head out, out west, and they come to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. And already, Tom, opening line, Giants minus five and a half. Yeah, I, I saw it six, um, and I, I don't care. I, it does, I, I, I wrote to you, uh, they might be my best bet tomorrow. I Before this week's games went off, I circled that game, and I said, that's going to be a game where if the Giants lose to the Cowboys, and they were underdogs, right, people are going to freak out. And they're going to go to the desert and get things right. I never expected a blowout like this. I never expected a humiliation like this. Uh, you said a joke. Yeah, I think the Giants don't only win. I think they might flip the score next week. Uh, Giants all day is jumping off the page at me. Now, again, wait a minute. Let me just tell you. That is Sunday night, you know, 1 o'clock in the morning my time, right? I mean, that, that's what we're looking at. Right. If Andrew Thomas is out, that changes my mind a lot. Andrew Thomas is the core of that offensive line. He said it himself. He is the... Uh, captain of that offensive line, and the offensive line was weak. If he's out of that game, the the game that today, right now, might be my game of the week, in six days from now, I might be going, yeah, I'm not touching it. On the other side, Cowboys will have their home opener Sunday afternoon and income. Team hasn't even played yet, Tom, the New York Jets, so we don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow night. But if you think Dallas looks so good t- t- tonight. If you think you like Dallas in their home opener, you can grab the Cowboys right now minus the three. And that'll go down right now if Rodgers looks good and Rodgers knocks off. Uh, and remember, I say Rodgers because this is not a New York Jets team. It's a Rodgers team, right? Yeah. yeah. There's no New York Jets anymore. It's the Aaron Rodgers show. So if Aaron Rodgers looks good tomorrow and knock off Buffalo at home, I think that line gets under three as impressive as Dallas was. And I know they get a lot of public money. I think you're going to look at that and be, oh, here comes Aaron Rodgers. He's back. So this is one of those games where, and I do this a lot, and I go, if you gave me free money, why go near this? I know we haven't seen the Jets play, but barring a a big injury, why go near this game? You know, Dallas coming off a huge win. Dallas will be going home shore. Uh, the, The Jets are one of those teams where I think it's going to take a little while for us to figure them out. And I think it's going to take a while for them to figure them out themselves out. There are so many better games on the schedule. I agree. Just if you're going to watch it, sit back and watch and enjoy that. Shouldn't have any money on it because it's uh, it is it, in my mind, right, Tom? It's it's a coin flip game. 
It's a coin flip game that might determine, you know, who is for real in week one. Now, if the Jets lose tomorrow and they get absolutely squashed, you're going to see everybody jump on the um, the Dallas bandwagon, right? There's only a certain amount of time that hard knocks and that hard knocks the aura kind of last. Usually it lasts three or four weeks, but if the Jets go out there and they look pathetic, let's say they look like the Giants. I don't assume that, but I don't think anybody thought the Giants were. If they do that, yeah, Dallas people are going to run to the window to get Dallas. And I might be able to find a number where I look at the Jets because I like this Jets defense a lot. Over in Foxborough this afternoon, it was Tom Brady Day, Tommy, as the Patriots opened the season with last year's Super Bowl runner-up, Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles out to a 16-0 lead after the first quarter, then had to hold on for dear life, but the Eagles do get the win 25-20 in the season opener. Yeah, you know, I put this out on Twitter, and I talked about it last night. You can't bet against Brady Day in Foxborough. Coach Bill with the summer off preparing. Um, rain in the forecast. The Super Bowl hangover. I thought Jalen Hurts would look bad against Belichick. He did. Jalen Hurts looked terrible today. Um, but they got the win and they got the cover. And a lot of that cover was because of just bad decisions by Bill Belichick, by the way. I think that they they lost the game because of Belichick. I don't know in our 13 years together, Tim, I don't know if I've ever said that. I don't know if I've ever uttered those words. There was an opportunity with over five minutes to go, New England had all three timeouts. They were in field goal range, down by eight. You know, you take the three there. You absolutely take the way their defense is playing. You take the three. Because now you're looking at that and you you don't need that two-point conversion. That was a position where they didn't take the three. That wound up burning them later on. If they wound up taking the three there and then another three, I mean, it's a winnable game. certainly a coverable game, but that's a winnable game. And Belichick kind of dropped the ball there late. Belichick trying to get greedy, and that tells you one of two things. Either A, he doesn't believe in this defense like we believe he believes in his defense, or B, he actually does believe in Mac Jones in this offense to move down the field, which they did. Guys got to get two feet in. So I, I, I look at this game, and I know I lost. It was one of my two losses on the day. I know I lost this game, and I lost by the hook, so I'm a little angry. Yeah, sure. I, I know I lost the game. But I, I expected the Patriots to play exactly how the Patriots played. And I expected the Eagles to play exactly how the Eagles played. This is a game where I'm not taking much away from the Patriots. I'm saying, okay, the Patriots are still who I thought they were you know, 24 hours ago. The Eagles are also who I thought they were 24 hours ago. Except I seem to be the only person that believed that the Eagles were going to take a step back. Mac Jones, 316 yards, three touchdowns, Tom, and his counterpart, a lot of people had him for the MVP this year. And, and here comes, am I overreacting, Tom, when I say we were expecting a Jalen Hurts uh, back to reality this year, and it's only been one game. He was not not efi- efficient today, if you're looking statistically. 170 yards passing and a touchdown. Uh, or was it just good Bill Belichick planning? Which was it? I think it's a combination of both. I don't think that Jalen Hurts is nearly as bad as we saw today. But he's certainly not as good as we saw last year. I think he falls somewhere in the middle, right? Um, I kept hearing Jalen Hurts is a top three quarterback in the NFL, and, and I kind of scoffed at that. I said, look, I think he might be top ten. Maybe. I'm not sure. It was, oh, come on, you know, he, he's right up there with Mahomes. He might be better than, than Josh Allen. I got to see it again. And you get a good defensive coordinator like Belichick, sure. 
It's certainly going to impact things and the weather and the road and the Super Bowl hangover. All of that's going to impact it. But this is sort of what I told everybody that I saw in Jalen Hurts. Good, got the W, did what he needed to do to win, sure. But a lot of the same issues that we watched in his college career, a lot of the same issues we watched even when he struggled at times, all bubbled to the surface. And he's got to fix those issues if he's going to move forward. Remember, this is a guy that lost his offensive coordinator, guys. Right, exactly. Look ahead to next week, Eagles home opener. They welcome in the Minnesota Vikings. Early line is the Philadelphia Eagles minus seven. The Philadelphia Eagles don't lose home openers, Tim. I mean, they, they, they flat out don't. Um, the number is 13-3. and three. They'll last 16 home openers. It's the best team in the NFL. you got to like the Eagles at the initial number. You have to. Minnesota looked bad. Minnesota, we talked about it last night. They're supposed to take a step back. It's in Philly. It's prime time. But, Tim, I can't get over the fact that this team scored one offensive touchdown this week. One. One offensive touchdown. Philly's a team that I can absolutely see Brian Flores. Remember, he's a defensive coordinator there. I can see Brian Flores frustrating them. I can see them winning this game, sure, keeping that 13-3 and streak alive, making it a 14-3, but not covering the 7. And I see where you're getting the 7. Most everywhere else, it's already seven and a half. So this is a tough game to go on to midweek. What do you? What do you? Um, that's why we talk about the overreaction, right? If they go out and steamroll Minnesota, all is well in Philadelphia land. Absolutely, yeah. And look, they're gonna they're gonna point to this and say we're two and zero, right? But I just watched a great, and he is historic, maybe the greatest ever defensive coordinator in Bill Belichick put together a game plan that made Jalen Hurts look terrible. I have been talking about it since the guy got into the league. Brian Flores, he wasn't a very good head coach, and we sort of knew he wasn't going to be. But as a defensive coordinator, very, very good. And Minnesota uh, showed it today. They showed their buying in. I can see them frustrating them again. So 2-0 will be 2-0, Tim. Uh, but when you are a team looking for a Super Bowl, sometimes it matters how you get to 2-0. I'm not just right rolling over you and saying that the Minnesota Vikings are just going to be done. Just saying that, look... You know, seven and a half point spread kind of tells you where the money's going. Up in Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks with a 13-7 lead heading into the half. In the second half, outscored 23-0 by the Rams. Matt Stafford, 334 yards through the air. Geno Smith did not look like Geno Smith of last year. And a Ram team that was a big dog in this one gets a straight-out win on the road. Tim, am I kicking myself? I told you all summer, I told you last year, I told you in July, I told you in early August, I told you two weeks ago, I like the Rams, the Rams, the Rams, the Rams, the Rams. I thought McVay and Donald and Stafford and Cup just had too much pride to go down. They were going to not only win, the, not only cover this game, but win this game. I was fully on the Rams. And you said, you know, Tom, I'm not sure. I said, no, I don't care. You can't talk to me. I, I like the Rams. I like the Rams. I told Abby. She said, I don't know. I said, I don't care. I like the Rams. And then Cooper Cup got injured. And I pulled off of it. I am stunned to watch how good and how efficient Matthew Stafford was. And I don't know why I'm stunned. We've watched it from him his whole career, anytime he's healthy. But he's throwing the guys like Tutu Atwell, right? And, and absolute dimes. He didn't have much of a running game today. I know he, uh, you know Williams had a couple of touchdowns. He didn't have much of a running game today. This was Stafford, Stafford, and more Stafford. And McVay drawing up the play. Um, as much as I want to sit here and bash Seattle, and you're right, Geno didn't look like himself. The offensive line didn't look like themselves. Seattle had problems defensively last year. I thought bringing in Bobby Wagner and and getting back healthy uh, Brooks would help out. 
Their secondary is still weak. If you're not throwing it, Tariq Woolen, where are you going? Well, anywhere, because they, their secondary is still weak. It was a real good matchup against where McVay just outcoached him. I mean, he just outcoached the, the old man. I hate to say it, but he did. I'm not overly shocked, but I'm overly shocked that it was with so much ease. Matthew Stafford seemed like he was just playing with them back there. That is something to really look forward uh, when we're looking forward down the line with Seattle's defense. You can throw on them, and you could throw on them with ease, and Stafford showed that. Well, you want to look ahead. Can a team like the Detroit Lions throw on Seattle next Sunday? The Lions at home, a field goal favorite, Tom. Well, the total's 51, right? I mean, I think they're telling you that, yes, uh, Detroit certainly can. They get extra days rest for this. Um, But Seattle also has a different style. Seattle came into this and said, we're not running on Aaron Donald, right? We're going to try to throw, and it it didn't really work. You said Geno Smith didn't look good. If they turn around, they go more to Walker. Um, I think they could have a lot of success against the Lions. I think this is one of those Lions that everybody's going to jump on with the Lions, but they're in uncharted territory. The Lions have heaped, uh, had the praise heap upon them, which is not normal. They've had extra time to sit back and think about what they did, and they beat Mahomes. And it's more about what the Lions can do here rather than what Seattle can do. We'll go from the NFC West to the NFC North. Your Chicago Bears, Tommy, it was a 10-6 game at the break. Packers were up on the road, and then they just kind of ran away with it in the second half, outscoring the Bears 28-14. 38-20 the final. Packers one win, Bears one loss. Jordan Love, three touchdowns for Packers today. Uh, you and I talked about this in the second half. It was just – we, we could have thrown, thrown on that secondary. It was amazing how many just wide-open receivers there were for the Packers. And, you know, you, you blame the secondary, Tim, and – I it looked like that, but it, it's not necessarily secondary. It's exactly the problem that we all knew Chicago was going to have. Okay, I sat down with Rob Mish, talked about this in the Chicago Sun-Times. They don't have a pass rusher. They don't get pressure. So, yeah, these guys, you know, maybe they could do a better job covering. It wasn't the covering, though. He's getting all day back there. Jordan Love was getting all day to sit back in the pocket, pick them apart, do whatever they wanted. And that's why they only had 10 points at the half. Because all of a sudden, at the half... Jordan Love was going, wait a minute, whoa, whoa, why are we t- trying short things? Why are we trying over the middle? Why are we trying slant patterns? Why are we doing this? Let's go deep. And that's what they did. They changed up their game plan at the half. He said, I have all day to sit back here. And then he was just firing it downfield. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, the most outrageous, ridiculous thing. I don't know if you saw Justin Fields' press conference afterwards, but he said, he told reporters, the offensive game plan today was to throw the ball laterally all downfield. What? You have the best rushing quarterback of all time. You have Khalil Herbert, Deontay Foreman, Roshan Johnson, which means not only do you have your starter, you spent draft money on, on uh, draft capital, I should say, a position on, on a running back. And also went and got one in free agency. This should be a run, 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 run team. Instead, the Bears have two banged up offensive linemen. And Justin Fields says, Luke Getze said, yeah, we're going to just throw it downfield all day and do something we've never done. I I, I thought it was an absolutely horrific game plan. I thought I was watching Matt Nagy again. So, yeah, uh, look, let's give credit to the Green Bay Packers. They, They did 
the adjustments that uh, the Bears just could not do and have not done. Um, but in the same respect, this was a atrocious, atrocious game plan. And if the Chicago Bears keep going into games thinking they're going to make Justin Fields' downfield thrower and all of a sudden everything's fine with a banged-up offensive line and Darnell Mooney, and uh, if, they, if that's what they think, Bears aren't winning a game this year. If they go back and reassess and say, all right, look, guys, we are a run-first team, they, they would do fine. They would have won this game had they run the ball effectively. Isn't it funny when we watch week one games, sitting there just, uh, you know, you don't want to get too high, like you said, you don't want to get too low. But you see things and you're like, I'm really foreshadowing what could possibly be the downfall of the season right now. All this time we've waited six, seven months to watch in one week what possibly could be the downfall of the whole season, right, Tom? Yeah, I, I, when you when you sit back, Tim, and you hear the people that are making the calls, the people that are, are going to be actually influencing the game, say just idiotic things. And you go, whoa, 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 oh, wait, that's their damn game plan? Right? <laughs> you, you, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, no, if that's really what they're doing, we're, we're in some trouble, right? And I'm sure you're going to talk about that with your Ravens. But, um, yeah, I, I mean... If Chicago decides that, that this is this is what they have to do, we're throwing this this game away, and we have to go downfield with Justin Fields, Chicago's not winning many games this year. Can they win next week in Week 2, Tom? They'll be on the road at Tampa, take on the Bucks. Early lines, I see, looks like Bears won one and a half. Again, this is an almost impossible game to go near. You know I like the Bucks this week. I like the Bucks overall. I think they're being slept on a little bit. They have massive talent. Um, the one thing you could utilize with the Bucks is if you blitz them, you can get to Baker Mayfield and rattle him. Bears can't blitz anybody, right? But on the other side, you look at it and you go, well, if the Bears go back to a running attack, can they have success? Yeah, they probably will. And we're going to find out right now how committed the Bears are to what their preseason game plan was. If their game plan, again, is we're going to open up Justin Fields, let him launch it down the field, Devin White is going to be living in Justin Fields' face, and it's going to be an ugly day. Packers will uh, hit the road, or stay on the road, excuse me, down to Atlanta. Atlanta, one, one one-and-a-half-point favorite. Packers will get points right now, plus money. Yeah, I think uh, Packers are going to be a pretty favorite pick out there. I know, you know, Chris Wynn basically just uh, texted us and said, you know, are we underestimating how good the Packers are going to be? I think everyone's going to say that. I think everyone's going to go in. Uh, to believing in this Packers team. And it's easy to go against a team like the Falcons. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Falcons, but the Packers, guys, I watched every minute of that game. I I can tell you this. They are not that good. The Packers were out of sorts. The Packers, like Tim said, they had 10 points at the half. um, And things just opened up because they, they made the adjustments. The Atlanta Falcons are not going to throw the ball on them. And they are going to run it and run it and run it and run it and run it some more. So whatever the game plan was today for the Chicago Bears didn't work out because they were going to the air. You have no worries about that with Atlanta. I know everyone's going to jump on Green Bay. And for good reason, I get it. Uh, but Atlanta is is the lean right now, we'll say. Yeah. Let's take a look at one more. We'll take the time out after that. How about down in L.A., Tommy, San Diego, L.A. Chargers, Miami Dolphins. We said this was going to go over the total. It sure did. 36-34. So they put up 70 in this game. The Dolphins get the win on the road. Tua, 466, Tom, three touchdowns. 
Tyreek Hill, 215 yards, receiving two touchdowns. Uh, just it's a, It was a shootout at the OK Corral, except for it was down in SoFi Stadium instead. You said it last night. You love the over. I had Miami, right? And I was kind of already invested to Miami to go to the over. Boom, we both won. Didn't even need the points. Uh, this was this was absolutely fantastic. And I, I mentioned it. When two is on, we talked about this in our NFL preview. When two is on, this is a Super Bowl-laden team. I'm dead serious. He's that good. When two is healthy. When he's out there, only Patrick Mahomes throws more touchdown passes uh, over per play, right? I mean, that's it. He's in that kind of air and that kind of territory. You just can't count on him the entire year. Tyreek Hill looked unstoppable today. Unstoppable. You know, you look at Waddle, who's been banged up. He looked unstoppable. Mostert looked good. Uh, they're getting guys, uh, you know, uh, all over River, cart crime. I, I mean, God, are we kidding me? It, this offense will score on anyone, anytime, any day. That is reality. Their defense needs a little bit of, uh, we'll say, a little effort in the back end, right? I mean, Xavier Howard used to be one of the best that there was. He made back-to-back boneheaded plays the, today, gave up a touchdown, personal foul penalty. You can see him struggling because he shouldn't be on the number one guy. They do have reinforcements coming Miami soon, so if they can win these kind of games the way that they are, yeah, that's pretty impressive. The Chargers, what can you say about them? They played a great game, but this is the problem with the Chargers. Their offense played a great game. They, Herbert was good. Eckler was good. Kelly was good. Williams was good. Allen was good. I mean, they played fine. Defensively, they have names. Dover and James made some plays, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. They have names, but you found the holes. And you found the holes with superior players. The Chargers get beat when they are just out-talented, which doesn't happen very often. But when it does, like they did today on offense against Hill and Tua, there's just no way to stop them. I'm not throwing in the towel here for the Chargers at all. I think it was a very good game by them. They just got beat. This was a great matchup. This could be the AFC Championship game, and I think everybody would be very happy. And like you said, to not overreact sometimes in the first week of what you see, that is a, a glaring number, though, when you look at what L.A. gave up, 536 yards of offense today, Tom, 466 through the air. And you knew where it was going, Tim, right? I mean, there, there, there was no there was no razzle-dazzle there. It was, uh, uh, we're going to Tua, by the way. I mean, Tua's going to a hill, by the way. Yeah, we're going Tua to hill. Run? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 we don't run. We're going Tua to hill. Uh, tough spot, third down. Oh, yeah, we're going Tua to hill. Uh, wait a minute, we need a touchdown quick? All right, cool. I'll dial up a Tua to hill. I mean, that's really what it was. We get the Sunday nighter next week. Dolphins will stay on the road. Pats stay at home. Miami minus two at New England, Tommy. So Miami flies out to west, back to the east. Patriots stay home. This is some dog money here with the Patriots. Are they barking in, in Foxborough next Sunday night? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's so hard to imagine that Belichick could be 0-2 and two losses at home. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that Bill couldn't dial something up. But it's a weird thing with Tua. I've mentioned this on the show before. Tua owns Belichick. Maybe it's the fact that it's a lefty thing. I'm not sure. And I, I'm not I'm not joking. I'm being serious. Um, of all the quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, Tua had the most success. All the quarterbacks. Go back and look at the record. Tua. It's Tua. It's Tua. 
he's got wins over Bill. They have all of a sudden become kind of the thorn in the side of what Bill Belichick can stop. And two has seen him many times before. I, I, I know it's hard for us to look at Bill Belichick and say he's going to lose two games at home, especially after the impressiveness um, that was today's Eagles game and what they did. How do you not take Miami, though? I mean, I am looking at Miami and I'm going, I feel like this might be a gift line. We might be laughing at what this line really is because I don't see anyone holding Miami under like 24, 28 points. So Mm -hmm. that means that Bill's got to go out there and and expect 30. That's reality. I'm serious. I don't think there's a defense in the league this year. Pittsburgh, Dallas, uh, San Francisco. I don't think there's a, a defense in the league that can hold Tua under like 24, 28 points. So basically to win that game, you need 30 points. I don't know if Mac Jones can get you 30. Half uh, quick first segment here on Heatwave Sports. When we come back, we'll, of course, dive in back to the rest of Week 1 action in the National Football League. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Mateo with you here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. We are back here on a super Sunday night. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tommy Barton, Tim Unglesby with you. Going over week one of the National Football League. Tom, let's jump back into the games. Look at the last of the afternoon matchups. The Las Vegas Raiders head to Denver and continue to beat Denver. 17-16, they hold on for the win here today. New quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, 200 yards passing, two touchdowns for Vegas. And it was uh, Jacoby Myers with a big day, receiving 81 yards, two touchdowns there. Russell Wilson, two touchdowns to the air for Denver in a close-fought close game that the Raiders win 17-16. Look, I told you last night, the Denver Broncos have still not beat the Las Vegas Raiders. Right? I mean, yeah. they still have not beat the Las Vegas Raiders. You you can say what you want about Vegas um, and, and what the Raiders are. I, I want to heap a lot of praise on them. I really do. Okay? There were some really good things there. Crosby's still a beast. Uh, Jacobs didn't have the greatest game, but he was efficient. He was effective. Deontay, Devontae Adams still. This is what we talked about, right? I mean, it was a one-point game. It's going to be kind of that way. Denver's still Denver, though, right? Yeah, what did I write you after, like, the first quarter? Russ still looks terrible. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. right? None, none of this matters. Uh, if you could sit back and you could tell me Sean Payton's going to come in and Sean Payton's going to fix everything and Sean Payton's the savior and Sean Payton's this and Sean Payton's that, uh, I'm watching Russell Wilson. And I was a Russ fan forever. Russell Wilson today threw the ball 34 times, Tim. Had 177 yards. That's terrible. And you could have Sean Payton. You could have uh, good wide receivers. You could have anything you want. Russell Wilson doesn't look right. This is not taking anything away from Las Vegas. They knew how to rattle him. He gets upset when people are in his face, more so than he ever did. He doesn't run like he used to. He doesn't scramble like he used to. Russell Wilson's game is cooked. It's over. It's done. 
And I don't know, we talked about it last night, how many times do they have to tell us? How many times do they have to show us? Here's what it is, right? I mean, here's what it is. This is the Denver Broncos. And we keep saying, well, the Broncos are going to be better. They're not. So good for Vegas, 1-0, it's great, great start. But this is more about the Broncos and the fact that they are done. What about Garoppolo, Tom? 20-26, 200 yards, two touchdowns. He did have the bad interception in the end zone earlier in the game. And, and as far as directing the offense, uh, fourth quarter touchdown drive to take the lead, and then they ran off the last five minutes of the, the game with the ball. So I, I think for as many haters as there are Garoppolo, it's not necessarily they're hating on uh, his abilities, right, Tom? It's his ability to stay healthy, and when he's healthy, he's efficient. Yeah, he's fine. I, I mean, that's there's so many guys that we talked that about, right? There is a difference between being Tua style, where if he's in there, if Tua's in there and he's healthy, this team can go to the Super Bowl, and being Jimmy Garoppolo, where you go, ah, he's fine. He's a placeholder. Mm-hmm. We can win some games with him. Can we make the playoffs with him? Maybe. Do you think you're beating Mahomes on the road? Are you beating Josh Allen in the playoffs? You beating Joe Burrow in the playoffs? You beating Tua in the playoffs? You beating Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs? You beating Lamar in the playoffs? No. So I mean, it's kind of, are you beating Herbert in the playoffs? I mean, no. It's kind of know what you have, and that's okay. Having Jimmy Garoppolo back there is perfectly fine, and he played well today. Um, it could be worse. You could have Russ. But didn't they already have Jimmy Garoppolo back there, Tom? His name was Derek Carr. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Carr was better. I like. I always liked Carr. I really did. Um, but again, we've talked about this for years, and I still go with this. I believe that there are three sections in the NFL. You have guys that can win the Super Bowl that are legitimately, usually, year to year to year, less than 10. You have... That, about 10 guys that can win the Super Bowl. You have 10 guys in the middle. They're fine. They're capable. They can win you a division. Might win you a playoff game. But they're not Super Bowl worthy. But they're starters. And then you have everyone else. And everyone else is either a little too old, looking over their shoulder, major injury problems, rookies, too young, whatever it might be. You have that. Jimmy Garoppolo is on the back end of the middle. Derek Carr is squarely in the middle. They're in the same tier, Tim. So while I like Derek Carr, they're in the same tier. They're the same sort of player. Um, when you're talking about maybe Carr's stats will be better. Maybe Garoppolo's going to have a couple more Ws. But overall, they're, they're basically in that same tier. Neither one of them are winning an MVP. Neither one of them are really winning a Super Bowl. Let's just be realistic here. Not with this, not with this team. I mean, you would need uh, like a San Francisco team if you were going to go get there. Raiders don't have their home opener here in Vegas at Elysian until week three when Pittsburgh comes to town. So week two, Tom, on the road at Buffalo, who plays tomorrow night in their first game. And I'm looking at uh, some places you can get the Raiders plus 10, Tommy. We are, we have to see what Buffalo looks like. Um, look, going into Orchard Park across the country – at any point is tough. Buffalo is one of those few teams over the last two decades that actually, look, they they cover big spreads, right? I mean, they just do. It's who they are, especially at home. And we have to kind of see 
what this team is. We heard about Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs being out of sorts. If they look like they're clicking tomorrow, 10 doesn't seem like a lot. James Cook is going to take that next step up. If he looks like he's clicking tomorrow, 10 points doesn't seem like a lot. But as my first glance, and I'm a guy that has the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl, as my first glance, 10 points is just too much for a team like this. Let's talk about the former Raider quarterback, Derek Carr. First game with the Saints, home. And we get treated to a Tennessee-New Orleans matchup where the Saints held on to win this one as well. 16-15, Tommy. They get the W. Yeah, you know, it's that ugly game that Mike Vrabel loves. We Mm -hmm. talked about it last night when I said I like Vrabel, right? I mean, like Vrabel, like Henry, like Tannehill, uh, you know, with the, the, the enthusiasm, Hopkins. They just didn't have enough to get it done. The Saints' defense is just is going to have a six-week stretch here where they are going to absolutely abuse, uh, just abuse uh, starting quarterbacks. And they did it to Tannehill. Tannehill looked terrible today. And guess what? It's going to get only worse for the uh, uh, for anybody that's coming up over the next six weeks against the Saints. Saints might be 6-0, and and it might be on the back of their defense that they are 6-0. Olave had a big game. I like that. I didn't like a lot of the other things I saw. If you watched, there was bad decisions made. Tennessee is not a good defense. They're very well coached, but they're not a good defense. If you're walking out of that game with your held, 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 head held high because of the Saints, I think you got another thing coming. I think you were watching a different game. This is one of those, all right, we look bad, lots of cleaning up to do, lots of things to work on in practice, but hey, we got the W. Yeah, it seemed like Carr was able to move the ball efficiently. They just once they got into uh, scoring time, they didn't put the touchdowns on the board. They settled for field goals, so that's something they can work on. And I think it gives, like you said, uh, the if you're looking at a, just a score, the onus is that, oh, well, Tennessee played great defensively, but I'm with you. They didn't really, though. They they didn't look good. They just got lucky that those threes weren't sevens. Yeah, it was a game. It was a one-point game. Could have gone either way. Um, I, there's a lot to clean up. Look, the Saints are still my team to go over their nine-and-a-half team total win. The Saints are still my team to win this division. Um I kind of expected them to come out slow, and that's not an indictment on them. That's just how much I think that Vrabel is such a great coach. Saints hit the road week two. Division make, divisional matchup against Carolina, Tom, and the Saints already about a one, one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at Carolina. It's a game that I automatically said, yeah, I kind of like this game. Um, but I do have my concerns because Carolina's defense is good. Okay, they have names. They have playmakers. They are good. It's on the road. The Saints leaving a dome is always a worry. And now all of a sudden it's a road game uh, against a good defense. I'm not overly impressed with what Carolina did today, but it's a good defense. And they just struggled against what I consider a bad defense. I think Tennessee is a bad defense. So it makes me worry. Look, I, I think New Orleans right away, boom, I wrote them down. I said that's one of my plays this week. The more I think about it, the more I'm going to have to go back and watch that tape and wonder, was it the Saints making mistakes, or could they not get by a halfway decent defense? And those Titans, home opener, and here comes Justin Herbert and the Chargers, Tom. Chargers, field goal favorite on the road. Yeah, I like the Chargers, right? I look, like I said, I, <laughs> I could repeat almost everything I said about Miami. I'm not sure that there's a defense in the country that can stop this team. 
I don't know how many times the Chargers are going to be held to under 30 points this year. I mean, I think the Chargers offense is absolutely dynamic. Now, I know Mike Williams went down, and I don't even think that affects it that much. So if I'm assuming that a team is going to go up there and score 28 or 30 points, which I, I think almost every week about the Chargers, that's how I feel with this team. Going on the road again is a tough spot. Going up against a superior coach, massively superior coach to Brandon Staley, is certainly there. But in every other facet, I mean, you have to look at the Chargers and just say it's going to be really a grind for them to keep them under 30. Last year's NFC North champion Vikings welcome in Tampa today. And, Tom, you like Tampa getting the points in this game, and you would have been a straight-out no-points-needed no winner as they win 20-17, to 17, Baker Mayfield. Eh, again, we'll say he was efficient in this game. Nothing spectacular. You got two touchdown passes, managed the team well in the second half, and they get the win on the road. Well, there you go. You have Devin White. You have Levante David. Devin White had a huge game. Devin White, Levante David. Um, Via had a, an amazing stop at the goal line today. And then on the offensive side, still have Mike Evans. Oh, yeah, he caught a touchdown today. Still have Godwin. Still have White. Baker Mayfield still talented. But the line play offensively is what really is going to kind of be their undoing. Um, Minnesota doesn't have a pass rush. Minnesota's defense played played well today, but they still they have a lot of things that they're lacking. And I like Danielle Hunter in the middle, but they don't have a pass rush. They don't have dynamic go get them, and and that's what's going to hurt the Bucks this year is when Baker Mayfield's under duress and he's got to kind of throw the ball late. You could pick apart this Vikings defense if you have the the, the time to do so, and. Even with a banged-up line, they had the time to do so today. The Bucks' defense, they still have names out there. You can throw deep on them. I'm stunned Jefferson didn't have a bigger game. But Kirk Cousins, you know, I mean, he looked good out there, right? He looked mm-hmm. good. It just kind of was a, was a bad situation for, uh, look, everyone's um, expecting the Minnesota Vikings to come back from a 13-win season and play exact, exactly the way they were. Jefferson was fine. Madison was fine. Addison was fine. Hawkinson was fine. Cousins was way more than fine. What is their undoing? Their defense. Yeah. Defense and inopportune times for turnovers. I think I I like the overreaction here in that if you didn't watch the game and you're just looking at, oh, well, Tampa beat Minnesota last week, and now you have a, a set-up game next week with Minnesota traveling to Philly. We just talked about this earlier. Philly's home opener, right, Tom? It's a Thursday night now. you got short rest. What do you think here? And you have the Eagles a seven-point favorite. I'm not saying I like the Vikings plus the points, Tom, but I could see where people would think, ah, they're not going to cover that game after what I just saw. But it's the NFL. Things, things happen that you don't think are going to happen. I read today, Tim, on Twitter, on X, whatever it was, well, uh, the the good feelings for Kirk Cousins after the Netflix series are all but erased. And I'm going, <laughs> he threw for 344 yards and two touchdowns today, Tim, right? <laughs> hey, guy, guy threw for 344 and two touchdowns, and, and that's it. The, the romance period's over for Kirk Cousins. Correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but if we go back and ran just pure fantasy stats, Kirk Cousins is a top-five quarterback the last five years. Oh, Absolutely. And I think he was the number one scoring quarterback today. Or maybe Dak went over him, but when they were doing the scroll on the bottom, I think he was the number one scoring fantasy quarterback. He did nothing wrong today. And really, to be honest with you, you know, you said inopportune turnovers. He only had one pick. It's not like this was cut. This is 
let's just put it this way. This in no way <laughs> was was a bad Kirk Cousins loss. 344, 33 of 44, two touchdowns, only one pick. Um, Justin Jefferson, nine catches, 150 yards. Addison had four catches for 60 yards. Hawkinson uh, didn't do a lot. I mean, he had eight catches. This was not the offense. Now, they couldn't run the ball. I mean, Madison only uh, ran it 11 times, but he only got 34 yards. That, that That's fine. Their offense was fine today. They just kind of couldn't punch it in. Bucks will now have the um, – they have the, – basically they get to – have a home game against your Chicago Bears. I'm sorry, drifting off here with the, with this game, but your Bears, after what we saw today, now head to Tampa, and they are a one point favorite in this game. Yeah, and, I, and I, they should be a favorite again. It all depends on how the Bears kind of come out and attack this thing. With all the Bucks' great fortune, all they did right, um, you know, Tampa, they only scored twenty themselves, so. I look at this and I go, yeah, Tampa did well. And like you said, I had them with the points. I liked them. Baker Mayfield only had 173 yards. Rasheed White, 17 carries for 39 yards. That's not good. As a team, 33 carries for 73 yards. That's 2.2 yards per per carry, guys. Mike Evans was the leading um, targets with 10, six catches, 66 yards. I, I mean, I could go down the list where they just didn't perform offensively, but they got the win. Tom, before we take the top of the hour time, I'll let everybody know about your Super Sunday. It wasn't at home. You said last night you were heading down to that wild wing spot. Uh, Give us a review, man. The worst opening day Sunday that I've ever experienced in my life. It was a disaster (laughs) from start to finish. It was a complete train wreck. I tweeted out how ridiculous it was, and I wound up leaving. I wound up bailing, man, and I came home and I watched Red Zone Channel. I mean, that was... That's basically what it happened for the 4 o'clock games. I had the Bears on the one channel because uh, they were the national televised game, and we were kind of keeping an eye on that Dolphins game, and then New England was also on. So we had the TVs going. I came home, and I liked it at home. Went to Wild Wings. We had a storm here in New York. Obviously, you guys saw some of that, uh, the residuals there in New Jersey. We had a storm here in New York, and I get that TVs are funky and whatnot. Sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings at a half hour before the game time, every TV is just out, Tim. Just, just out. Literally, just just out. So I have my computer in the bar or in the restaurant area, you know, and I'm trying to pull up Red Zone on my computer because I'm like, what am I going to do? I, I can't sit here. I can't I can't not have it. Then they come on for a little bit, and they're glitching, and they're What a complete disaster today was. It was, uh, I tweeted out, DirecTV was a problem, then YouTube TV was a problem. How do you screw that up if your entire business model, being Buffalo Wild Wings, and I don't even know if it's Buffalo Wild Wings' fault. I didn't even tag them in my thing. I think it was DirecTV and YouTube TV. How is your entire business model based on watching games, opening day, NFL? People were filing out. Uh, the games kick off here at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. People were filing out at 1.20, Tim. People were just like, I'm done. I'm go- Goodbye. And the place was basically empty by the time we got out of there. I, I was appalled. And I said, never again will I not be in a, a sports book for opening day. And it's, it's, listen, it's the gambling gods making, uh, making fun of me. What are you doing, Tom? You said, niece, I love you, but I'm out of here. I'm not going to hang out here anymore. <laughs> I said that to her. I said, look, it's your last shift. I came down, gave her a kiss, and I said, I got to go. She said, I understand. 
there you go, Tomsey. Now you know you can't uh, divulge from where your normal routine is. And like you said, the gambling gods said, Tommy, never again. No. It was, it was a mistake that happened. I learned. I am not infallible, but I will never do that again. I had a pretty good day. I think the uh, impression from my ass is still in the seat cushion at home. So uh, that kind of tells you what I did all day, Tom. Ah, <laughs> I love when, when you know Scott Hansen comes out there and he goes, you know, we're going to have eight hours of nonstop football. You're like, eight? Ha! Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> right. Eight. Eight. That gets us, that gets us through first the first uh, set of games in, in a little bit of the first half, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I used to, uh, you know, when, when, when we, we really started, before we started being on the air, when I really started to go to Vegas, I, I used to keep the beer bottles by my side when the beers were free, if you were in the sports book. I remember mm-hmm. I would just turn around and look down by the time, you know, the late games come out, like, oh, wow, it's been one of those days. Like, you know, you're just stunned, like, well, I like 20-something beers in. This has been a, one of those great days. Okay, let's start the night game. <laughs> It'll be a, a good sleep for Tommy tonight. That's what it was. The two 12-packs gone, right? Oh, back back in my younger years when I was yeah. yelling at clouds. Right? Well, this closed the books on hour number one. In hour two, more of the same NFL week one uh, recap. We're going to have some time for some baseball as well so hang on tight stay tuned it's heat wave sports coming right back at you here on fox sports radio las vegas 98.9 fm 1340 a.m now back to heat sports Here we go with our two of E-Wave Sports on a Super Sunday night. Overreaction Sunday is what we call it. Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton with another hour of top quality sports talk radio. Tom, when you look at, um, again, Overreaction Sunday, do you see in week two lines any adjustments that may be off, like blatantly off, not something that just stands out to you that's something that you just don't either a understand why it's a certain a certain low or a certain high or you think they've adjusted pretty well um you know look a, a couple of these jump out at me and i don't know if they are for the you know the general public would notice this um but not all the time does do people react because of what they watched it's also reacting because they don't believe what they just watched Right, I mean that that is reality. The Eagles just looked pretty bad. Am I right, Tim? I mean they they look they look bad. Um, for for them, Jalen Hurts looked bad. This line opened up at seven. It's at seven and a half and already hitting eight in some spots. People are not believing what they just watched. I didn't think that that would rise. I thought seven was just a very fair, very perfectly good line. Right. Um, I look at the uh, the the. The Raiders coming off of a win are getting 10 points against a team that we haven't seen play. That is a little bit of an overreaction to me. I I think that, why? Why are we doing that? Well, we're not believing in the Raiders. Why? Well, you just watched it, but nobody's believing it. Oh, okay. (laughs) Right? Um, I'm also stunned that the Lions are at three in most spots there. MGM, it's three. Uh, FanDuel, it's three. Caesars, it's three. DraftKings, it's three. 
I know it's gone to three and a half in some spots. After everybody just watched what the Lions dismantled Kansas City, and they're at home, and Seattle just lost, and they lost to the Rams team without Cooper Cup. How is this team only three? That is the that is the circled line of the week to me uh, for weirdness. And then let me throw one more out at you. The Ravens get a win. They cover, right, as a uh, as a double-digit favorite, the biggest favorite on the board. I, I'm not saying that they, they rolled them over, right? They struggled, but they covered. The Bengals looked absolutely awful. Joe Burrow looked hurt. They put up three points. That's it. Yet the Bengals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Yeah. So there's some weird ones out there, that's for sure. Let's head to the stadium formerly known as Heinz Field for the next matchup, Tom, where the San Francisco 49ers came into Pittsburgh, and they dominated them. 30-7, to the Niners get the road wind open the season. Christian McCaffrey, 152 yards on the ground and a touchdown in the win for the Niners. Tom, Steelers just outclassing this one early and often. Absolutely, and Brock Purdy looked he looked very efficient. He looked like what we expect. Look, Brock Purdy's not going to light the scoreboard on fire for himself, but he got another two touchdowns. I think they said that's seven or eight straight starts where he throws two touchdowns or more. McCaffrey was dynamic. Uh, I mean, this this team is just, when they aren't healthy, when they are healthy, and they were today, unstoppable. And what's crazy is that T.J. Watt had a fantastic game for a Pittsburgh. Absolutely fantastic game. Three ta- three sacks, two fumbles. He, he was all over them, and it didn't matter. I mean, it just flat out didn't matter. A lot of that also, we have to say, um, you know, is because Kenny Pickett just looked bad. Kenny Pickett looked bad. Najee Harris looked bad. Jalen Warren, I mean, he's a number two at that point. Fryermuth dropped what I consider dropping two touchdowns. Deontay Johnson left the game early. Pickens was only targeted a few times. The offense just couldn't get anything done, and they kept putting the defense in bad spots. So you just kind of brought it up. What about next week? Division game again for the Rams. Six and a half point dog with the Niners coming in. Yeah, I, I, how do you not? How do you not take the Niners right now? I mean, the way that they're playing, they're the best team in the NFL, and you can argue they have the best roster. I think a lot of people would say that. I have them going to the Super Bowl. I, I know many people have them going very far. Sometimes we start taking for granted a team like this. I know that the Rams look good. But why aren't the Niners a 10-point favorite? I, I mean, would it shock you if they covered the 10? It wouldn't shock me. It's just that it's a division game. That's why. You'd mentioned that Brock Purdy, two touchdowns in uh, the last seven or eight games, you said. So is that something that we should be looking at player props next week over two? Oh, absolutely, yes. I don't believe in this Rams secondary at all. So, yeah, Purdy over one and a half touchdowns, put it on the board. Jacksonville and Indianapolis division game to open the season. Trevor Lawrence, two touchdowns, 241 yards through the air. And uh, 14-point fourth quarter helps Jacksonville get the 31-21 win. They get the cover as well in Anthony Richardson's debut as an NFL quarterback. Make no mistake about it. Um, The Jacksonville Jaguars were hosed in this game. Okay, There was a... A weird play where Trevor Lawrence um, looked like he was throwing the ball, but they called it a fumble. But they didn't call it a fumble. It, it rolled on the ground. Tank Bigsby picked the ball up, 
stood there because everybody on the field stopped. DeForest Buckner came over, slapped the ball out, picked it up, ran it in for a touchdown. They reviewed it. They said he didn't have possession long enough, even though he kind of did. They said uh, Trevor Lawrence's arm wasn't good. It was just the flukiest of fluky of fluky plays. But that's me going here and telling you the Jacksonville Jaguars should have won by a lot more. This should have been a 31-14 game, maybe, maybe even less than that. I mean, Jacksonville played a very sloppy game. Okay, nothing jumps out at you here. Uh, I, I know Calvin Ridley looks good with eight catches for 101, but he had like 80 of them before the half. Nothing jumps out that the Jacksonville Jaguars played a great game. It, it was sloppy. It was ugly. Uh, but this this score shouldn't have even been that close. That's how talented this team is. You look at the Indianapolis Colts. Anthony Richardson, here's my takeaway. He still can't score. I, I mean, he just can't. He can't throw the ball, Kim. He, he, he just can't. He, he's not a quarterback. Can we just stop the experiment? He's going to get you fantasy points, and he's going to run it in. And he's going to do things like that. 24 of 37. Why they let him throw it 37 times is beyond me. For 223 yards, he was missed. He was off. He was throwing high. He was throwing wide. And then the kid doesn't know how to slide, so he got banged up at the goal line where we had to have Gardner Minshew in there. And they don't have a running game. 26 rushes for 65 yards as a team. As a team. And, oh, by the way, Richardson had 40 of them. So you take away Richardson. Um... Deion Jackson, 13 attempts for 14 yards. Funk, two attempts for 10 yards. And Hull, one attempt for one yard. I mean, it was overall ugly. And I'm not giving Jacksonville's defense all that much credit. This was just an ugly performance by Indy. The look ahead for the Jags. They get Kansas City next week, Tom. Kansas City coming off the opening night. Thursday night loss to Detroit. And the Chiefs are a three-point favorite in Jacksonville. The world will be on Kansas City. The world might be wrong. Because Jacksonville is for real. Jacksonville does things that that can bother KC a lot, um, which is the, the, the deep out, the deep ball, which gets to KC all the time. And, and a guy like Ridley can really make life miserable for them. Kansas City also has a real hard time with backs that can catch the ball out of the backfield, which ETN can do. I think this is a bad matchup for KC. The only reason everyone's going to be on KC, and everybody will be on KC, the only reason everyone's going to be on KC is because, wow, I can't imagine KC losing two games in a row. Yeah, it's valid. I'm not sitting there lining up to go run to take Jacksonville. Um, but you're at home getting points. If Jacksonville wants to be on the map, oh, boy, this is a statement game. And I, and I, you know, you, you look at this game and you go, um, Kansas City, uh, you know, Jacksonville, well, what is the narrative going to be, right? What, what, is, what is the narrative going to be when you talk about that kind of game, right? It's going to be Lawrence against Mahomes. This is the growing up moment. This is the grow up moment. It had Kansas City won against Detroit, it, I, I would be all over the Jags. I, I just, I'm with a lot of the public. Just really, really hard for me to imagine Kansas City going going to. This next matchup, two young quarterbacks involved as the Atlanta Falcons open up their NFL season with a 24-10 win over Carolina. Desmond Ritter versus Bryce Young in this one, Tom, the first first pick overall in the draft. But it was a lot of what you said last night when you broke the game down. It was all about Atlanta running the ball. Algier, 75 yards, two touchdowns. Bijan at 56 on the ground, so 
130 yards between those two guys, double-headed monster there. And Atlanta's defense did a good job today as well. Yeah, I, I was surprised about Atlanta's defense. Um, they got went out and got Jesse Bates. He had <laughs> three interceptions. Um, uh, he, he may not get another one all year, and that was just tremendous. Atlanta's defense is going to be kind of what it is we talked about. Running game. Uh, right, Drake London wasn't even targeted. They don't need it. They're just going to run and run and run and try to play good defense. The problem is, is that you can't run if you get behind. And I think that that's the concern with the Atlanta Falcons, that they will get behind. They just didn't have to worry about that. I don't think we really – I don't know if we touched on this one earlier, but I, uh, Falcons, they will stay at home, Tom, for game number two. And they're a one-point favorite over the Packers. Yeah, I can't touch this because I'm not. I I just I don't have confidence in any, in anything. I think the world. I, I do. I think that we're going to see 75 percent of the people on Green Bay, um, but Atlanta as a home dog, able to run the ball. They're they're a scary home dog. That's for sure. And you said you like the Saints, a point favorite over Carolina in Carolina in Game Two. Yeah, and I would get that early. I bet you that goes up to like three, three and a half. People are going to be starting to bet against uh, Bryce Young. He, he he made the same mistake. He threw two interceptions to the same exact place today. We, we, we were questioning what Sam Howell could mean to the Washington Commanders, and I think a tale of two halves. The Sam Howell in the second half that led this team to a comeback win over the lowly Arizona Cardinals, that's what you want to see out of a guy you're turning the wheels or the keys to the, the wheels over to uh, in a 2016 win, Washington 10-3. They win the second half. And they knock out the what we all say the worst team in the NFL and the Cardinals, but uh, definitely tell two halves. I like Sam Howell looked a lot, lot calmer in the second half, Tom, and leading them to the win. I like Sam Howell, but let's talk about this Cardinals defense for a minute. It's a bunch of no names. They played really, really hard, and you know their their offense didn't do them any favors at all. And this defense just kept stepping up and stepping up and keeping in the main game, keeping them in the game. Um, Joshua Dobbs had 132 yards passing. Tim, they didn't run for 100 yards, right? James mm-hmm. Conner, 62. The offense did nothing today. Their leading receiver at 33 yards. The offense did nothing. But the defense kept coming up and making plays and making plays and making stuffs and making plays. They forced uh, a couple of fumbles. I was just really uh, – they had an interception, a couple of fumbles, right? Um, I was really, really, really impressed with this this Cardinals defense. But the offensive side of the ball – you're you're going to see some shutouts this year from the Cardinals. The Cardinals are going to get shut out more than once this year. Just atrocious, right? And the fact that they were able to put up 16, and you're talking about a turnover to a touchdown leads, gives them seven. I saw nine points out of this team. Well, yeah, you got to remember, right, exactly. You know, Howell got, uh, got sacked, picked mm-hmm. up fumble, uh, ran in. They didn't score an offensive touchdown. And, and by the way, the field goals, Tim, 37-yarder. Okay, that's, I don't want to say chip shot, but but that's a, a decent one, and a 28-yarder. And then they had a 54-yarder, right? So <laughs> let, let's be honest. You're not supposed to really make 54-yarders. They, they, basically, they basically put their team in a position to score six points. Six. Well, Washington will take that win, and they will head to Denver, where the Broncos will remain for week two. Next Sunday, Denver minus three and a half over Washington. Oh boy, I, I don't believe in Denver, but I did not like what I saw in Washington at all. 
What, what's the total in that game? I don't. I don't have a total on that one actually. Uh, uh that 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 total should be like. That total should be like thirty nine. And I, I'm not joking. That total should be thirty nine because I don't think either team could move the ball. I'm going to find out a total for you right now. Hold on, because my first instinct is this is a it is a seventeen fourteen game. Total is forty and a half. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, that's about right. That is about right. I, I think that they go bo- both struggle massively, and this is kind of whoever gets to twenty first. AFC North Battle of Ohio Part One, and again, Tom, the Cincinnati Bengals cannot beat the Cleveland Browns, or at least can I say Joe Burrow can't beat the Cleveland Browns. Twenty four three, Cleveland dominates the Bengals in the in their home opener season opener. Nick Chubb, 106 yards on the ground. And, and uh, so much for the team going vertical, right, Tom? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this because I know that you, you're you not exactly the biggest you know supporter of this team. So, so give me your thoughts on what you saw today. From Cleveland? Yeah. yeah. I'll actually say that. I was impressed. The defense looked. I thought they looked great. I really did. I thought they 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 came out house of fire, and the the two drives I saw in the first half where they were able to shut down Cincinnati. I I wouldn't say swung the game Cleveland's way, but I don't think the Bengals ever really got into it at all. And, and Burrow, I'm not sure. You know, do you chalk it up to just a bad week, Tom? I don't know. With 14 to 31, he wasn't accurate at all. Didn't even hit 100 yards passing. Offensively. I know that they had said that they wanted to run, uh, throw the ball, but they did what Cleveland does, right, Tom? They ran the ball for to the tune of 200 yards rushing combined. Chubb with half of those. Deshaun, like you said last night, not impressed at all. So I, I don't. I think that's a, that's a, something we should look at moving forward is whether Cleveland can establish a passing game, even though they want to go vertical. But their bread and butter is the run, and that's what they did today. Yeah, look, I thought Chubb was fantastic. I thought Miles Garrett would just own the game. I mean, he was just – he terrified Joe Burrow. But a lot <laughs> of this is about Joe Burrow. And when I, I you know, called him his gimpy knee and he had this and he had that, we we, we got a lot of feedback. Tom, come on. Oh, he's an MVP candidate. Oh, Burrow, this. Burrow. What? What are you seeing? I, I mean, the guy missed most of camp. You can't just walk in to an NFL game and just, just think you're going to beat a quality team. And think you're gonna you know, go to the Super Bowl here all of a sudden because oh well Burrow's back, Burrow's back and Burrow's paid and Burrow, Burrow's a very very good quarterback, but he's still human, still needs reps, he still needs to 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 go out there and kind of do what we've seen him do, but maybe they did. Look, in the last four years, even before Burrow really kind of came into the national flavor here, the Cincinnati Bengals have had a top ten worst offensive line every year. They've had, in the last two years, a top-five worst offensive line, but Burrow does things despite it. I, I think that this was Burrow being hurt maybe more than he's letting on because he wanted to sign that big contract. Maybe yeah. it's that Joe Burrow was playing through it because he wanted to kind of sign that contract. Or is it just rust? I think it's absolutely absurd that people are jumping all over Cincinnati next week when we're not sure about those questions. Today, Cincinnati punted 10 of the 14 possessions they had. And if you believe in trends, and this is another one, Tom, we talked about earlier in the show, the 
just uh, what was it, Mr. Primetime, the opposite way. Who was the quarterback we talked about earlier tonight, Tom? Danny Dimes. Oh yes. So, so look at Cincinnati and Cleveland. Since Ke- coach, since Kevin Stefanski's been the head coach in Cleveland, he's six and one against the Browns in the last seven games. So, right, it's just something to say, right? Joe Burrow's never won in Cleveland. Yeah. There's just something about it. Miles Garrett, Kevin Stefanski, they just have his number. How about this one, Tom? Next Sunday night. I'm sorry. This is a, this is the Monday night. We got a doubleheader next Monday night. So my my mistake. Monday night football, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Steelers minus one. But Cleveland doesn't win in Pittsburgh. We know that. Right. Pittsburgh looked awful. Cleveland looked great. Um, every sign says Mike Tomlin at home, prime time division game. He's going to get things right. Pittsburgh's not going to two and zero. But, man, you could not watch that Pittsburgh game today and not be concerned. And if Deontay Johnson doesn't suit up, I'm even more concerned. I don't think Cleveland's a world beater. Uh, but, man, when you have a guy like Chubb back there to set the tone, all of a sudden it just takes and deflates teams on what they can do defensively. I like Pittsburgh. I lean Pittsburgh. But it's a much more dangerous spot after watching the games today and just kind of forget about the Pittsburgh game. Watching how the Browns just manhandled Cincinnati. And to somebody who's just looking at a score, is that where the overreaction comes in, Tom? Right. Well, why is this line one to Pittsburgh? They scored seven points, and the Browns gave up three. Yeah, and look, I mean, we talk about history, and uh, you know, you you think about well. I always hear in sports, but well, you know, a different team. Don't go back on trends. The Browns just don't beat them, right? They just flat out do not win. They do not win in Pittsburgh. It's just the way that it is. You know, look at the record. It's just pathetic. And you can make a lot of that and say, hey, look, it's a lot of that is um, is uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger against the Browns is twenty six and three, right? I mean, he was absolutely fantastic, but in Pittsburgh, come on. I, you know, you start to look at that and you start to break that down in Pittsburgh. It's just brutal, Tim. It's absolutely brutal over the last, you know, the course of the last 20 years. They just don't win there. And the last one to talk about today, Baltimore, 25-9 win over Houston at home to open the season. So, they cover the spread, like you said, Tom. They get the win. The game was never really close. Uh, but they look bad. And you and I, you know, going into the half at 7-6, I didn't feel like there was an upset alert anywhere going on because I thought that just talent-wise, you could see Houston was just nowhere near the, the level of talent that Baltimore had. And then Baltimore was able to run the ball in the third quarter, got two scores, and then kind of padded their way through. But... Uh, like I said, they they get the win. It wasn't close, but they look terrible. And now you have injuries already piled up for the Ravens. I thought the offensive line was bad. Lamar Jackson ran, running around like a chicken with his head cut off most of the game. Penalties, Ravens just stupid penalties. It just didn't seem like a, a team that was ready to play. It seemed like a team that was ready to play the Texans. I thought it was one of those games where I was a little concerned about the approach, right? You're going, all of a sudden, you're going from 
run, 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 which is in Lamar Jackson's veins, which is in the Baltimore Ravens' veins. It was all there. And, and then going to this passing attack, I thought it would take a minute. I thought it would take a little bit for it to kind of click in, and maybe they would be a little rusty. But I didn't expect Lamar to look rusty. He looked terrible, Tim. Mm-hmm. He looked terrible. He was fumbling. He was carrying the ball way out. And I guess we should have thought he was going to be rusty. We just talked about it with Joe Burrow. When was the last time Lamar's been on the field, right? I mean, I guess it should have been. And he didn't have a security blanket, which was Mark Andrews. And then he lost J.K. Dobbins, although he looked bad before that. Um, Lots of moving pieces, lots of new things for Lamar. All of a sudden, yeah, I think Lamar just looked rusty to me. And I think that the new offense is going to take a minute to kind of click in. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I, I felt... He was rusty, definitely. The line looked – I don't know what the hell they were doing today. He didn't have a lot of time when he when he did was able to, to establish what they were trying to run offensively. Uh, the, I guess the key questions here are what happens now if Dobbins, it looks like in his Achilles situation, how does that hurt this team, even though they do have depth at the running back position? And then from the, the new offensive standpoint – I mean, the positives, no Andrews today. I like Zay Flowers in his first game in the NFL. He had had a good game, so that's something to look forward to possibly. Uh, But it was the defense for me, Tom. And who was it? It was our guys, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. They played great today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Roquan Smith, he's just a difference maker, isn't he, Tim? I mean, I told you when you traded for him, I said, man, you're going to love this guy. He really is a difference maker. He's sideline to sideline. He's everything. And, that's one of the things that people, you know, you don't pay attention to in the regular media is that their secondary all of a sudden now isn't being picked apart like it was. Secondary isn't being abused, but a lot of that is also because of the guys up front are not allowing that to happen. I think Baltimore will start off slow. I thought that they would start off slow, but it's going to break out, and I think Baltimore breaks out in a big way here pretty soon. The Dobbins thing, yeah, it stinks, okay? But the Dobbins thing, at the end of the day, uh, they can replace that because they have Lamar Jackson. Yeah, yeah. You'd ask me. I'll ask. I'll ask you the question to answer on the air. Uh, and from a J.K. Dobbins standpoint, I just feel bad for the guy personally. Like, geez, man, just just came back from something, and now literally could be looking at well over another season lost, and maybe the end of his career. But. You had asked me in the text, you say, do you go after some of the free agents out there or do you ride with what you have? And if they ride with what they have, Tommy, they have Gus Edwards, Justice Hill, Melvin Gordon. That's kind of the the depth chart right now. Which I think is fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like Gus Edwards. My problem is Gus Edwards can't stay healthy either, Tim. You know, that's usually the problem with him. Do we believe in Justice Hill? You said, well, you got Melvin Gordon. Do, do Do you believe in these guys? Because I think it's hard to believe in these guys. Do you believe in these guys just to get the job done enough for the passing game to take off? That's what you need if, help for. If the passing game has adjusted to where it needs to, Tim, and has adjusted to a point where, yes, they are a passing team now, yeah, they'll be fine. Well, you said it. Ravens are in Cincinnati. You, you could get a hook here as well, three and a half if you like the Ravens plus. I think you almost have to take that until Joe Burrow proves you're wrong. Until Joe Burrow proves that he's healthy, I think you almost have to take that. Now, historically, Tom, as bad as he is against Cleveland, he does do well against the Ravens. Yeah, he does. And that's the thing. I mean, doesn't it seem every year of Joe Burrow's career, 
He has some weird disclosed injury, right, in the preseason, comes out, doesn't look good in game one, and then turns it on. So I would be worried about that. And in the other matchup, if you have a gambling problem, you're probably gambling on this game, Tom. Indianapolis at Houston, the Texans minus one. How do you touch this game? I, look, I just I, here's here's my thing. I watched most of the Colts game, and I thought they looked like garbage. So I'm leaning the Texans just because I watched most of that game. But I, I, I'm fully admitting I didn't watch. I have to go back this week, and I go back and watch all the games. I have to go back and watch the Ravens game. I, I think if you're betting on this game, there you have serious problem, right? I mean, why why would you even bother? It's there's no value in this anywhere. Yeah, it, it's uh, <laughs> it, it's betting the NBA All Star Game. Too. Yeah, there you, there you go. By the way, I pulled up the stat. I pulled up the stat while we were talking because yeah. I said I, I said Cleveland never wins in Pittsburgh, and that's usually like an overriding statement. Now they did have a win a couple of years ago in the playoffs in a wild card game, but in the regular season, Tim. They have now lost 19 games in a row in Pittsburgh. The last time they won a regular season game in Pittsburgh, October 5th, 2003. Wow. As a matter of fact, you want to go even further. Their last um, five appearances in Pittsburgh, they didn't score more than 18 points. And you have to go all the way back almost a decade before they put up more than 24 points. (laughs) Unreal. In the 19 games, in the 19 game losing streak, regular season losing streak, okay, since I'm looking at the numbers here, the 19 game regular season losing streak, twice they put up more than 24 points. One, two, three, four, five, six times. Six times in 19 times they put up 20 or more points. You're talking about 13 times and, and five in a row. They didn't even get to 20 points. 19 games in Pittsburgh. In a row, regular season. Well, there you go, man. Pittsburgh. When I tell you they don't win there, I'm not. I'm not overshooting it. <laughs> Pittsburgh, it's easy bet right there. Then Tom, you're going to go against 19 straight. Come on, not me. Yeah. Week one will conclude tomorrow night. Monday night football: Bills, Jets, AFC East. Tom, Aaron Rodgers' debut as the Jets quarterback, and your pick to win the Super Bowl: Buffalo, minus two. Right now. Uh, you know, I, I am so up in the air about this game. Um, I'm so up in the air about this game because I really, really, really do uh, really, really like um, the, 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 the Bills, and I think that they're a Super Bowl team. But I do believe that it is a tough spot for the Bills with all of their aspiration, all their Super Bowl, all of their everything on them, going in against Aaron Rodgers, against that defense. If you look at Josh Allen last year, the two worst games he had last year were against this Jets defense. And here's the thing. What can what can Allen do and what has Allen done against this defense? He's able to run. But they made it very clear that they're going to try to not run Josh Allen all that much this year. So do they let him re- revert back to what he was? Uh Notice how I didn't mention you know, Aaron Rodgers. I'm not overly concerned about Rodgers. It's the defense against Josh Allen. You have to go Bills if you're me. I have them winning the Super Bowl. I think they're the best team in the league. 
I think Josh Allen has an MVP type of season. I, I think Allen wants to prove a point, and Allen and Diggs go out there and they throw a touchdown tomorrow to prove a point to shut everybody up. I think all of that. Um, and I think that the Bills probably win. But I hate laying points. I hate laying points in the division. I hate laying points in the division on the road, and I hate laying points in the division on the road in primetime. Let's go ahead and take our final timeout here on a Super Sunday night. Major League Baseball, when we come back to end the show here on Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. Final segment here on a Super Sunday Night Overreaction Sunday. Tim Ungles will be Tom Barton and Mateo with you. Tom, we had extensive football talk. We're going to close it out with our true love, Major League Baseball, as we are essentially down to the nitty-gritty here. Less than, what, 20 games to go in the Major League Baseball regular season. So we'll kind of dive around the league here and look at some of these these pennant races, Tommy and uh First thing that stands out to me is a team that led the American League West most of the season, the Texas Rangers. They're in the midst of a 4-15 and mark right now, and they went from first place in the AL West, Tom, to now being out of the playoffs completely. They're only a half game behind in the third spot, but I'm just saying, what, what has happened to Texas here? They have no bullpen. I mean, that, that's just reality, Tim. They just don't. They have blown more saves than any other team in the league this year. They have no bullpen. They're fixed to fixing their bullpen. We're go- was going to get a Roldish Chapman. What are you doing? I mean, <laughs> <clears throat> you know, you can't do this. You just flat out, you can't play like this and expect to be a playoff team where they're just blowing leads night after night after night. And their offense is very good. Their starting pitching is solid. It, it's nothing great. It's solid. But that bullpen is atrocious. They have nobody to shut the door. They have nobody really in the eighth inning either. You know, they didn't make a move to go get that big guy. We thought they'd go out there and try to get Bednar, right? And that would have been the, the guy for them. No. They said, we're going to go get a Roldis Chapman and expect things to change. They didn't. And we're sitting here looking at the Rangers and saying, that's about right. Yeah. If, you, if the season ended today, Houston, Minnesota, and Baltimore would be your divisional winners. So the wild card sets up right now, and there are three of them. It'd be the Tampa Rays, Toronto, and Seattle, which has been probably the hottest team since uh, July in Seattle. We just talked about Texas. Boston, six out. Yankees, eight out. I think that's as far as we really need to go for hanging on. And I know you're going to tell me Yankees don't count either. Our, our, so we're looking at Texas-Seattle battling it out here, possibly for that last spot. Maybe Toronto. I, I think Toronto got, got a bump with Bichette coming back, so... It's Texas-Seattle, I would assume, for that last spot. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I don't really think you could talk about the Yankees or Boston. Uh, the Yankees got no hit today for 10 innings and won the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But now Jason Domingos <laughs> is, is <clears throat> on the shelf. No, no. So, you know, this is Texas-Seattle, and you have to throw Toronto in there. Seattle's red hot. Seattle has the pitching to maintain here. I mean, they, they really do. Where the Rangers just don't have the bullpen. The Blue Jays are the interesting team, though. You said they got a bump because Bichette came back. Well, they start a four-game series against the Rangers next. Four-game series against the Rangers at home. Um, they have, you know, the Yankees still. They still have the Rays, but how much are the Yankees and Rays going to care? 
It's this four-game series. That's it. I mean, when the Rangers and Blue Jays are knocking each other off, okay, and they're going to play that four-game series, no offense, Tim, but the Mariners get three against the Angels mm-hmm. at home. Then they get three against the Dodgers, which is tough. Then they get the A's. Then they get the Rangers and, and finish it off with six against the Rangers, six of the last nine. So the Rangers have plenty of time to take over the Mariners, take over the Blue Jays, because they play them uh, ten times for the rest of the season. I mean, they play them ten times in the last, what, 20 games here. The, the Rangers' schedule just says, go take this thing. Four against the Blue Jays in, in Toronto, but four against the Blue Jays, come home against the Guardians, get the Red Sox, Mariners, Angels, Mariners. This is going to come down to Rangers-Mariners, I really believe that. Unless something crazy happens with the Blue Jays and they implode. And I believe it comes down to that last series. They're going to have a three-game series at the end. That's huge. And like you said, it also kind of sets up for you to say, hey, Rangers, here's the bullpen. Take it away from us. Yeah, exactly. You know, And then you have who I think, I think Seattle might have the best bullpen in baseball with Topa and Munez and Brash. And now you got the best bullpen in baseball against the worst bullpen in baseball. Yeah. In the National League, Atlanta clinched a playoff spot today, the first one. 93 wins so far on the season. Dodgers are about to clinch as well. They have 87. And then the Central, Tommy. Milwaukee and Chicago. The Brewers, three-game lead right now as we come down the stretch. Yeah, I think the Brewers probably hang on to this. They have... Uh, the Marlins for four at home, Nationals for three at home, Cardinals for four on the road, Marlins for three on the road, Cardinals again, and then two against the Cubs. I mean, you get to play the Cardinals six or seven times, I should say, the Nationals three times, and, and then seven against the Marlins before meeting the Cubs twice. The, the schedule just favors the Brewers. And, and that's not to say that the Cubs are playing world beaters here. Colorado, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Colorado again. But they have to take on the Braves and Brewers' five-game road trip to end the season off. And they have games to make up. You could tell me that there's kind of a a coin flip situation here, maybe, if they were not trying to make up two games. I don't think you're making up two games here when your last five are against Atlanta on the road and the Brewers on the road. Well, the fun's going to be the wild card side of it. Philadelphia, number one wild card. Cubbies. Arizona holds the last wild card right now. But the Marlins are a half game out, Tom. The Giants are a game and a half out, and the Reds are a game and a half out. And the Reds schedule, ladies and gentlemen, because that's the team that I was pointing to and saying, don't count this team out. The Tigers have played much better, but they get three against the Tigers, three against the Mets, three against the Twins. Then they get the Pirates, Guardians, and Cardinals. Tim, they play one team, the Twins, and they get them at home that are above 500. That's the only team that they play that's above 500. The Dodgers have to go to L.A. for six. They have to take on the Dodgers for six. They go to L.A. for four. That's a brutal schedule. We talked about the Marlins have to go to Milwaukee and take on Atlanta and take on Milwaukee again. They get seven there. That's a brutal schedule. The D-backs, you look at what the D-backs have to do. They still have to take on the Cubs. They have to go to New York and take on the Yankees. They still have the Astros. That's kind of a brutal schedule. The Cubs we talked about. Even Philly, who I think is going to make it, four games against Atlanta, and then they have four against the Cardinals, and at Atlanta. So they finish it off Mets, Pirates, Mets, which is a nice finish off. That's why I think Philly's going to make it. Um, 
But the easiest schedule by far is the Reds here coming down the stretch. Don't count out the Reds. You know, you said when when um, you brought up the Phillies, which we think we're, we'll, we'll get a wild card, obviously, but you and I both think they're the most dangerous team in the National League once the playoffs start. I think absolutely, because you have the talent of Nola and Wheeler. And Nola and Wheeler haven't pitched what they have pitched, but they certainly can. And I think that the Brewers are still very dangerous, because, and I've been saying that for what, how many years now? Three years because of the Woodruff and Burns situation. But the Brewers also have a dynamic bullpen. Mm-hmm. Burns today on, on the end of a, a no-hitter that didn't happen, Tom. <laughs> a no-hitter that, that the team lost. Yes. <laughs> a a ten-inning no-hitter. Ten-inning no-hitter. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, just the news in Major League Baseball right now, a lot, just so much going on and – some of it overshadows, I think, some of the games. So, I mean, you know, you're looking at all the reports coming out. So, all oh, the Padres might shut Manny Machado down. And then Dominguez, torn UCL, he's probably going to have to have surgery. How long has that put him out? After the, the call-up, he's had a great short time in the Major League Baseball. And then this happens. Uh, rumors out of, out of L.A., oh, Mike Trout might be up for, for trade now if he wants to be out of there. Otani hasn't played in the last six games. Like so much going on outside of what's going on. It's really a, it's a crazy time for baseball. Yeah, it really is. And the Mike Trout thing, you go, he's owed $250 million. He's one of the more injury-prone players in all of baseball, right? Um, and I think they're trying to unload his salary. I really do. Now, look, take this for what it is, and this isn't to – I don't usually throw other media members through the dirt, so I'm not going to say this other than just to say it. Flatly, it's still a Bob Nightingale story, right? That that who broke it, who isn't exactly the most accurate, right? But it makes sense. I mean, if they're really, really thinking about signing Otani and going into all in on Otani, Mike Trout's owed two hundred fifty million dollars. That's a lot of coin, there, Tim. You know, and then you start to ask yourself on the back end of that. Forget about who would take him, because everybody would take him, even with that that salary. People would take the chance on. Him. But what's it going to cost you? You know, the Yankees will take a, st- a stab tomorrow, but they're not giving up anything huge for them. The Dodgers will take that money on. They're not giving up anything huge. You know, Seattle will take a shot on. They're not giving up anything huge. So I think that, yes, the Angels are certainly open to trading Mike Trout. And, Tim, you know what? I- I- I'm open to dating Stacy Keebler, but neither one of those things are really going to happen. <laughs> that was a great comparison, Tom. A great comparison. <laughs> I think the thing is, and you're right, from where who the writer was, we all know that he's a lot of gas. Let's just put it that way. Trout has a no trade anyway, so he's going to go where he wants to go. If he wants to leave Anaheim, he's going to go where he wants to go. Uh, the money, like you said, teams will figure it out. What the, the cost for a guy who's been hurt the last four years, that, that's another thing to figure out. So if you're Anaheim, and again, you have to look at it from the business side of it, Artie Moreno was going to sell the team before the season, changed his mind at the last second, Tom, and then went all in kind of. Didn't work out. Now you have Otani hitting free agency. You have Trout's contract sitting there. Do they move that? So, again, it's going to come to the offseason of do you just shed all this money and try to start over? But if you're Artie Moreno, are you going to try to sell the team again, Tom? And if you do that, 
don't you want the pieces that are make that team more valuable still on that team? So what do you do then? Do you go after Otani and keep Trout again and, and hope that this year doesn't happen again next year? I mean, there's it's a lot of moving pieces there. You know, I don't know, though, because what we've watched, and we've watched this a few times now, when a team is looking to sell, they like to clear their books. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was the whole thing with Washington. Oh, you know what? They're not going to get rid of Soto because he's attractive to a team to buy. And they're like, no, we want to clear the books as much as we can for the next buyer. So if Moreno is thinking about selling, getting rid of Trout might actually be appealing. What about Otani? Be appealing to have him, though, wouldn't it? Well, you could make. Can't you make this the double-edged sword? If if the Angels re-sign Otani, well, they got to get rid of the two hundred and fifty million. So we got to go get rid of Trout. If the Yankees miss on Otani, hey, you know what? Let's start over with the young kids. Let's get rid of Trout. I mean, they can yeah. spin it both ways. True. True. God, I want to end on this one, Tom, because it's to me, it's just again, you're looking at business versus what we grew up looking at as playing a fun game in that uh, two weeks ago, Steven Strasburg announced he's going to retire as a player. Obviously the last few years, he's just been injury riddled and, you know, uh, for a guy who was the number one overall pick in the draft and eventually led this franchise to a world series, they were going to have a a ceremony for him, right? They're going to retire his number, have a ceremony. (laughs) Well, news sneaks out that, the Nationals never agreed to say that that was going to happen. It was in talks, but they, they I don't say they canceled it because I, I think maybe it slipped out where it wasn't supposed to, but the root of the problem here was, Tom, that there's money owed to Steven Strasburg, and the Nationals don't want to pay it. So therefore, uh, now there's no retirement, There's or I mean there's no uh, Hall of Fame, there's no Jersey retirement. It just seems like really fishy and bad business when you look at the Washington Nationals. It really is. It This came out of nowhere, right? I mean, this is one of those things that you go, wait, what? What am I yeah. reading? They, they were going to retire jer- Jersey? Like, they brought his family in and they said no? They don't want to yeah. pay? Like, it's just all kinds of weird, all kinds of bad PR. It, it, something got lost in translation here. And I read the story, Tim, quickly, and it didn't sink. And I had to go back and read the story again because I was going, I had to read that wrong. Like, you know... I thought it was already set up. No, no, no. I was not wrong. It was just a weird, shocking situation. If you're paying attention of how this developed, and it, it kind of came out of nowhere to me. They were going to hold a press conference to announce his retirement, but then there'll eventually be a number of retirement, Tom. But that could be like next season instead. But then you hear that they don't want to pay him the money that's left on the contract, so. Bad business, bankrupt team. I don't know what to say. Other than, yeah, and then you had the family involved. Just poorly, poorly um, set up. I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah, it was it was a rough situation because when you really turn around and you look at it, you know, the, the guy had one of the, the biggest hypes ever, came onto the scene, burst onto the scene, did great, got you a World Series, and don't think he wasn't a major part of it, mm-hmm. and, and just couldn't stay healthy. It's not like there was bad blood. It's not like he he did anything wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, – I, I don't know. I hate to see stuff like this because you know what it does? It really – it bothers the fans who are – they were looking forward to this. I, I, I know Strasburg, people are going to go, yeah, he could go cry into his, uh, you know, $100 million. Yeah, I get it. 
But it bothers me about him. It really does bother me about the fans because the fans want that. They want a Strasburg day. Yeah. He, he's the highlight of that, that whole run that they had along with uh... – so, so here's the thing. When, when you retire, right, and I don't know the contract terms, but you generally don't get all that money. But the teams find a way to pay you some of it. They put you in a role as a consultant, right, Tom, or, or maybe uh, that you do, like, public affairs stuff. They figure out a way to give you some of the money to keep you involved with the organization. So the last I had heard was the Washington Post said that they're working on something, they expect something to be done. But even if they do come to terms on something, Tom, it should have never got to this point where it's an embarrassment right now. It's completely embarrassing. And you know that now the two sides are going to have a problem and maybe it'll drag on forever. And when they have things like, uh, you know, old timers day or, you know, if they have anything like that, it's going to be weird. This is why, first of all, if it happened, it's already that bad. Second of all, why would you let it sneak out? Why would you allow people like me and you to talk about this? Right. What we can't talk about is TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, uh, moving into the football season, already off to a nice start with college and pro. Talk about the site and all the great things that Tom Barton does daily. Yeah, listen, guys. It's TomBartonSports.com. Made money today, right? And that, that's it. It's a profitable day. It's a nice, profitable day. And, and that is TomBartonSports.com. Come and check it out every single day, guys. You sign up with me. 30 days of plays. It is TomBartonSports.com. All right, Tommy, back in the saddle again next Saturday night at 10 o'clock. Have a good week. Have a good week, everybody. For Mateo, for Tom Barton. Tim Ungles, we have a great sports week. We'll talk to you Saturday night at 10 o'clock right here on Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Good night. I think it's kind of funny that they slept on me. Here's a couple things that you know about me. No plan B, just a one-way ticket. This is what it takes. That's the difference.